2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 14 through 21. You guys good? Awesome. It reads, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are a God that makes all things new. God, we are grateful for a new year and a new opportunity to live into our purpose. God, today is an opportunity for us to hit the reset buttons of our minds, to be reminded that as your holy people, part of our transformation process is by the renewing of our mind. And only you, Holy Spirit, can do that for us. So God, thank you for this opportunity to shepherd this time with your people. Help me to not focus on performance, Lord, but to be faithful to the text that you've given me. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us teachable spirits tonight. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see your truth. We want to be open-handed to receive what it is you want to say to us, both as a people and individually as your sons and daughters in Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, the thing that I love about the new year is an opportunity for us to hit the reset buttons of our minds. No matter what this past year looked like for us, um, we get the opportunity to just put it all behind us. And we also get to look forward to the new year with hope and expectation. And as followers of Christ, I think that we should really be looking forward to this because we serve a God that makes all things new. So it's with that in mind that the title of my message tonight is called A New Year, A New You. And the conversation that I want to have with you tonight is that in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You have been given a new perspective to achieve a new purpose. You are a new creation. This is the reconciliation of God in us. And you have been given a new perspective. This is the lens of reconciliation to achieve a new purpose. And this new purpose is the work of reconciliation. And this is the message that Paul is giving to the church in Corinth, and I believe actually that this is a message for us today. But the first thing I want to do is I want to take a step back and I want to look at some context as to why these letters were written to the church in Corinth. And if I could use just a few words to describe Paul and his relationship 
with the Corinthian church, it would be brokenhearted, grieved, and distressed. And he wrote these, he wrote these letters out of love and concern because the church actually lost sight of who they were in Christ. They lost sight of what being a people of God looks like. I mean, they became boastful, arrogant, and spiritually pretentious. They disputed over what were greater gifts, prophecy or tongues. They were like little kids on a playground arguing over who could run faster or, or whose toy was better. They had grown puffed up in their achievements and were divided in their fellowship. They argued over um, who, who was a better leader. Some argued Paul, some argued Cephas, some said Apollos, others said Christ. And worst of all, they grew indifferent and insensitive to worship. Ultimately, some questioned Paul's authority, in a, a, some questioned Paul's authority as an apostle and rebelled against his leadership. But Paul, in defending his ministry, he admonished the Christians to remember to whom they belong. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul tells them to examine themselves to see whether they are in the faith. Paul contended with the Corinthian church, reminding them that if anyone belonged to Christ, there is a new creation. The old things have gone and everything has been made new. And this was the message for the Corinthian church, but I also think that this is a great reminder for us today. And it's a good reminder for us because even for us, it's too easy for us to forget who we are in Christ. Because in all of our pursuits, our careers, our relationships, hobbies, and travel, it's just too easy for us to forget what our purpose is in this new life. Because this city, San Francisco, is seductive. And it's easy for us to forget who we are. It's a good reminder because I believe that there are cultural pressures all around us that desire to infiltrate and influence our way of thinking. You know, personally, I can't think of a time in my life where it feels like there are more external pressures and influences in the church today than any other time. We cannot forget that we are a new creation. We have been set apart and given a new perspective to accomplish a new purpose. And that new purpose is a ministry and message of reconciliation. This is reconciliation between God and the world. So let's talk about a new creation and the reconciliation of God in us. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. But what does that mean that if, if we are in Christ, a new creation has come? And what does a new creation even look like? Now, this is a question that I think as Christians we have asked for millennia. Anyone who has ever experienced Christ has grappled with this question. And I believe that we grapple with this because a new creation is hard to see. I mean, it's not like when you've lost 15 pounds and someone says, you know, there's something that looks different about you. Or when you're wearing a new, new outfit and someone, someone notices and, and your response is like, oh, what, this shirt? No, I've had that. <laughs> See, it's not something that can be easily recognized by looking at it because in some senses, we've actually never seen it before. A new creation is hard to see at first. In John 3, we can see this wrestling in the story of a Pharisee named Nicodemus who grappled with this concept of being made new. Jesus told Nicodemus that no one can enter into the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus' response was, how can somebody be born again when they are old? 
Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. Now, if I was with Nicodemus, I would have been like, first of all, ew, that's gross. I mean, he could have just like left that at, like, how could this be, and waited for the response. I think we all would have been okay with that. <laughs> but the point is that Nicodemus grappled with this, like we grapple with it, because the new creation is hard to see. And the reason why I believe it's hard to see is because a new creation happens from the inside out. A new creation <clears throat> is a reconciliation process that begins with us from the inside. It is between us and God. It flows from the inside out. In Charles Hodge's Geneva series of commentaries of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he says this. He says, the final consummation of the Redeemer's kingdom in heaven is described, Revelation 21.5, in the same terms. He that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. The inward spiritual change in every believer is set forth in the same words because it is the type and necessary condition of this great cosmical change. What would avail any conceivable change in things external if the heart remained a cage of unclean birds? The apostle therefore says that if any man is in Christ, he experiences a change analogous to that predicted by the prophets and like to that which we still anticipate when the earth shall become heaven. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Old opinions, old views, plans, desires, and affections are passed away. New views of truth, new principles, new apprehensions of the destiny of man, and new feelings and purposes fill and govern the soul. You know, and I think he is so right. <clears throat> Notice how all of these things come from the inside. Opinions, views, plans, desires, principles, and affections. These are all replaced with new principles, new uncertainty around the destiny of man, new feelings and purposes. These are the things that shape the way we approach life and the way we see things. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, <clears throat> 17, Paul also tells us that the old is gone. The old creation lives for self. Self-preservation, self-desires. In the old creation, self is first. Self is at the center of the universe. Self thinks of itself above all other things. And in my mind, I just keep hearing Austin Powers say, allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> Austin Powers fans? No. But when you are made a new creation, <clears throat> the new creation doesn't live for itself anymore. A new creation lives for Christ. In verses 14 and 15, Paul tells us, we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, when you are a new creation, what you live for changes. What motivates you changes. The self-centered things that you considered important before, these things are no longer important. The Matthew Henry commentary tells us that the renewed man acts upon new principles, by new rules, with new ends, and in new company. The believer is created anew. His heart is not merely set right, but a new heart is given him. He is the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Though the same as a man, he is changed in his character and conduct. These words must and do mean more than an outward reformation. 
the man who formerly saw no beauty in the Savior that he should desire him, <coughs> excuse me, now loves him above all things. This is so true. But this doesn't happen on our own power or might. It happens out of the love Christ has shown in what he did on our behalf, paying the ultimate price on the cross. A new creation is compelled by the love of Christ. In, in verse 14, Paul tells us that for the love of Christ compels us. Now, I want to take just a couple minutes uh, to talk about what it looks like to be compelled by the love of Christ and how that affects everything around you. Now, there are a handful of people in my life who are not related to me who I would do almost anything for. And I would do almost anything for them because of the special ways that they poured into my wife and my life, my life in, in special seasons. So this year, um, Bethany, my wife and I, will be celebrating 20 years of marriage. Yeah. Actually, she, she deserves that clap more than I do, but you can let her know if you see her. So. Um, but we, you know, 20 years ago, uh, in that season we got married, there were a community of people who, out of their love for Christ, supported us in extraordinary ways. The day of our wedding, we borrowed this thing. It was called a VHS camcorder. <laughs> and the way it worked is you kind of, like, hoisted it up on your shoulder, and it had this button that you'd hit to record anything that you were aiming at. And so we had this device at our wedding, but we had no one to operate it during the wedding. And so obviously this was a really special day for us. We really wanted to uh, capture every moment as much as possible. And there was a couple that we invited to our wedding. And one of our friends, uh, this is one of our friends from our church community who had supported us in so many different extraordinary ways. Well, it was literally about 10 minutes before the wedding started. He shows up and I'm standing there in my tux and I, and I hand this to him. I go, hey, Steve, would you be willing to record our wedding video for us? And, you know, he did this kind of work for us, really talented, did a lot of work with video. And, um, of course, he said yes. I mean, granted, I kind of put him on the spot, you know. <laughs> Imagine here he was coming to the wedding thinking he was, like, coming for free food and dancing and stuff. And, and, and I basically put him to work. And, um, and, but, of course, he said, he said yeah. And so fast forward a couple years later, I decided to pick up the hobby of videography. And I started doing wedding videos myself. And it wasn't until then that I flashed back to my wedding day and I realized, like, wow, that was a really big deal, what I asked him to do. And he didn't even hesitate. He just said, sure, yeah, I'll do it. And, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think about, it wasn't until I started doing this myself that, that I didn't think about, like, what, what it was that I had asked him to do. And, and it was such a big deal for me. And to this day, almost 20 years later, you know, I remember that. You know, I remember not just that, but all the ways that, 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 that him and his wife supported me and my wife in, in the season um, when we were trying to reconcile things, reconcile our, our relationship with God. And I would do almost anything for him, not just because he videotaped my wedding, but because he demonstrated and modeled what being compelled by the love of Christ was. And I'll never forget that. And when we start realizing the weight of what Christ has done, out of the love that he has for us and what he's done to redeem us, it compels us towards him in love. And I personally believe that Paul knew deeply the weight of what Christ did, and it compelled him to contend and pursue for the, uh, the, Corinthian, the, for the church in Corinth. 
And the deeper that we realize what it is that Christ has done for us, we will be compelled, will we be compelled to love him more? Will we, will we be compelled to come alongside others to be God's instruments of reconciliation in their lives? So we talked about a new creation, God's reconciliation. Now let's spend just a few minutes talking about um, a new perspective, the lens of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, Paul tells us, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So to be made new is to see things in an entirely different light. And that light is what Christ has done for us. When we are made new in Christ, we see everything differently. We see our friends differently. We see our relationships differently. We see our families differently. We see our jobs differently. We even see Jesus differently. But there's still some things that need to be sorted out. Just because we see things differently doesn't mean that our brokenness just magically goes away. We've just been given a new lens through which we see it. We have an opportunity to make broken things beautiful. And when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, we see all these things in a, new, in a new light. And this is what God does. He changes us. He gives us new ways of looking at our brokenness. Now, kintsukuri is a Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with lacquer, dusted or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. And as a philosophy, kintsukuri treats breakage and repair as a part of the history of the object rather than something to disguise. Once broken, these pieces will never look the same as they did before. But in some ways, this process makes them more beautiful with the cracks than it looked before. Now, in a sense, this is what God has done. And it's what he does in our lives. Our lives have been broken. And when we fill the cracks of our broken lives with Jesus, he makes it beautiful. So for now, the brokenness is still there. But he fills in the cracks and makes it into something just really gorgeous. And as people who have a new perspective, the invitation of God is to see the world the way that Jesus sees the world. We should have a new perspective, perspective of Christ. And I know that we, every person in this room, myself included, we all long to fix the things in our lives that are broken. Our marriages, friendships, work relationships, maybe relationships with relatives, your parents, brothers, or sisters. We all long to fix broken things in our lives. But the question really is, is what are we trying to fix it with? Are we trying to fix it with anger? Resentment? A passive-aggressive approach to broken relationships? Revenge? Wanting someone to feel the hurt that you felt? Self-justification? Feeling in the right? Are you trying to fit fix it with a worldly sense of, of justice or retribution. Or maybe you're just trying to fix it with duct tape, because duct tape fixes everything. <laughs> so, but whatever it is that we're trying to fix it with, there's nothing that will make it as beautiful as Christ. We are a new creation, and we have been given a new perspective. Now let's talk about our new purpose, the work of reconciliation in us. 
See, I believe that our God is a God who shares everything out of his love. There's nothing that God holds back from us out of his love for us. In the beginning, he created heavens and the earth, and on the sixth day, he crowned crowned creation with mankind and shared it with him. Part of our purpose was to work alongside God and rule over and care for it. He placed Adam and Eve in the garden to work and take care of it. This was a part of our initial, initial purpose. We were on a smooth road called Shalom with God, but then Adam and Eve became backseat drivers and decided a different route was better. And since that time, God has paved a way, a new way, along with a new purpose. And yet again, he shared, this, he shared with us this work of reconciliation. Now, this new purpose doesn't look as it did before. It will never look as it originally did. But God has made it new, and it will be so beautiful in so many different ways, even in its brokenness. We have been given a ministry and message of reconciliation. Paul actually refers to us as God's co-workers. He says we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Everything that God cares about, God shares with us. Now, the NIV application commentary tells us that God is a source of reconciliation while Paul is his instrument in bringing it to fruition. You and I, we are instruments that are used to carry out the purposes of God. Now, here at Reality, we begin, almost every week, we begin service by saying that as a church, we believe that Jesus is renewing and reconciling all things in heaven and on earth and that we as his followers have the privilege in joining, joining him in that great endeavor. My question for us is, do we believe this? Or are these just words that we say? Are we living this out? Or have we lost sight of what our new purpose is? Now, there's no doubt that as a people of God that we have our work cut out for us. I mean, we are living in a time that is right for us to truly live into this ministry and message of reconciliation, whether it's in our marriages, whether it's in our friendships, our workplaces, and most importantly, in our culture. So again, my question is, how will this reconciliation come? In my appeal to you, in my appeal to myself, in my appeal to this church, is that true reconciliation can only come by us as believers in Christ living into our new purpose. The world cannot and will not be reconciled to God through social media rants or opinions. The world will not and cannot be reconciled to God through the news media outlets or perspectives. The world will not and cannot be reconciled through left or right wing lenses, narratives, or agendas. The world can only be reconciled through Christ's ambassadors who who have been made new and given new lenses, the lens of Christ. The work, of, the work of reconciliation requires of us three things that we can do today. Radical truth, radical repentance, and radical forgiveness. Radical truth is living in the truth about who we are, acknowledging our own sin and brokenness, taking a sobering look at the gap between where we are now 
and where God wants us to be. Radical repentance is owning our part and acknowledging where we're at fault. Being humbled enough to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And radical forgiveness is choosing to forgive even before forgiveness is even asked. Like Jesus on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We are a new we are a new creation, we have been given a new perspective, and we have been set apart to achieve a new purpose in ministry and message of reconciliation. Now, Makoto Fujimara is a well-known artist, writer, and speaker who is recognized worldwide as a cultural shaper. In his book, Refractions, A Journey of Faith, Art, and Culture, he says this. In my studio, I use ground minerals such as malachite and azurite, layering them to create prismatic refractions or visual jazz. Via my art, I hope to create a mediated reality of beauty, hope, and reconciled relationships and cultures. As a founding elder of the Village Church, I have found that mediation of any kind is never black and white, but prismatic and complex too. In order to find hope, even in the midst of of the broken and torn fragments of relationships, in order to begin to journey into the heart of the divide, we must first be willing to be broken ourselves into prismatic shards by the master artist, God, so that Christ's light can be refracted in us. I love this quote. I mean, this shows us how Christ's love compels and affects someone to approach everything they do through his lens everything they do through the lens of reconciliation with God. And this is what I believe that, that Christ wants of all of us, for us to look at everything that we do through his lens and his desire to be reconciled to us and to the world. So I'd like to, to leave you with uh, something to reflect on. We are all people in this room with a lot of different life situations and experiences. It's impossible to know or to speak to every single life situation. But if you've been thinking about the broken things in your life and where reconciliation is needed and how complicated life is and how different your situation might be, I would like to suggest this. That reconciliation begins with you and God. We cannot reconcile the things in our life without first reconciling with God because that is what will grow in us the capacity to live out our ministry and message of reconciliation in our lives. Now, maybe you are reconciled with God, and if that's the case, if you have embraced your relationship with him, but you're still struggling with certain brokenness in your life, trying to make all of the wrong things right, then what we're going to do in a minute when the, worship, when the band comes back up is we're going to have our call to respond, where we will have communion on the right and the left of the sanctuary, we have carpets up front where you can come and lay down your hurt and brokenness before God and allow him to minister to you through worship. We'll also have some folks on the left and the right of the, of the sanctuary who are happy to pray with you. And I want to encourage all of you to bring your heart there where you can have someone pray over them and the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to come. So come forward and respond. Let's pray.
Father God, um, I want to thank you for your work of reconciliation in us, Lord. I want to thank you that you are a God who makes all things new and that there is nothing too broken for you to put back together, Lord. God, we acknowledge that things won't look the same, but, but we also acknowledge that a new beauty is possible, but only in you, Lord. God, this is the first week of a new year, and I pray that you would help us to reset our hearts and our minds so that we can be a people who fully live into the purposes that you have set aside for us. God, we desperately desire this, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.